when we talk about the toxicity inside the horse community, for those outside, I don't think they grasp exactly how toxic this community can actually be. From the young teenagers that are just full of angst and quite honestly haven't had that setback yet in their career to the older weekend warrior that thinks just because they've been there or they've seen one thing or two that they're now an expert. And the internet has given everyone a voice, which it should have. We all should have a a, a voice to, to, to speak however we feel about a topic. And that's how the world should work. A side effect of that is now... Things that should be filtered, usually between the brain and the mouth, aren't really filtered between the brain and the fingers. A good example is I posted a video not long ago about a horse that was stolen from me. And it hurt me and my my partner who was in on the horse, it, it hurt us bad for a long time. And though we're not actively trying to get the horse back because it's probably changed hands a few times... At this point, um, we would like to know that she is okay. And I had a young lady, uh, and from the look of her profile was a, a younger teenager that said that she was glad the horse was stolen. Because from the picture that was posted, the saddle didn't look like it fit properly and her feet were overgrown. I can assure you, your feet were not overgrown. There was still a nice pretty round toe, which you probably do for the farrier. Probably, but I actually hadn't took ownership of the horse at this point in time. The girl had brought her by for me to try, and uh, the the saddle actually come off another horse that we were riding, threw it on her just to see how she would do, and I fell in love with the horse and ended up leasing the horse. Um, but for someone to say something like that <clears throat> to someone, just it boggles the mind. What goes through someone's head to think that is okay? It's definitely something that 99.9% of the population would never say to someone's face due to the repercussions of saying something like that, i.e. getting hit in the face. You know, I come up in a time where the internet was in its infancy, um, and then also before that came up in a time when there was no internet. And you just didn't say things like that. Because if you did, you probably would have got popped in the face. And this is not me condoning violence. This is just me iterating the fact that there were repercussions for your actions. You couldn't hide behind a keyboard. No one ever asked the circumstances for which something is presented, but they sure have a voice to pick out all the negativity in the way that something is presented. And the online horse community as a whole is about as bad as the online gun community. And I don't know if any of you are in the online gun community, but it's pretty toxic. And the horse community as a whole is worse. We went from asking questions 
to possibly make some sort of sense of why someone is doing something a particular way to just calling them stupid now. And and that's not how this should work at all. I always say when I do lives and stuff like that, that when I see conversations in the comments and it's people making new friends and they're giving advice and stuff like that, that that's what it should be about as a community. People coming together and helping people. Yet when you get on Facebook and Twitter and and TikTok and YouTube and you go through the comment sections, it is 90% complete toxic trash. And it's usually in a, such a belittling manner that I usually skip through it. And one of the reasons I skip through it is because it makes me so angry to know that there are people like that in the world, that they live for that, that either they think it's funny, or that's how they actually feel. It, it honestly, it, I can't say it hurts my feelings, because that would mean I would have to care what that person thought of me for it to hurt my feelings. It more or less causes me to really put less value in the human race as a whole. Specifically, the, the, the humans that are involved in the horse industry. And though we're all guilty of it to an extent, and we may not know it. You know, if somebody rubs us the wrong way, and then the next minute they're looking for some advice, or you see a chance to kind of twist the proverbial knife just a little, a little bit into them, we all take that shot. When we should all really be the, the better person and walk away and help them and show them that not everyone is a, a, an asshole. But sometimes it's hard. There's a young lady that I follow, and uh, she follows me, and uh, she's kind of in my community, I would say. Um, we're it's pretty close, the, the community that I have grown through my, my social media. And she is constantly at odds with people who don't have a full understanding of the sport that she participates in. And when I say constantly at odds, I mean shouting matches, you know, over social media. And the question I, I always ask myself is, is why? Why, for one, why comment to a point other than you just want to get a rise out of someone? And two, why respond to them? Because that's what they really want. They want that response. Because they know there's no real tangible repercussions to it, other than getting you upset. And now there's a big difference between offering some helpful advice and just being a snarky asshole. And the difference is, is context and tone. You know, if you're taking a big trail ride... And you see somebody that might not have cleaned a foot good enough before they stepped off that day, left a bunch of trash up around the frog, you know, and you tell them, hey, I'd, I'd clean around that frog, you know, um, I, I was out here last year and, you know, there's you're going to come up on some spots and you, you might run into some problems and the last thing you want to be is way back in there and uh, end up with a lame horse. And the smart person would take a look again at that foot and make sure that they got everything out so they didn't step off with a stone or a, 
an acorn or something like that packed under a horse's foot. The same type of people that leave those snarky comments are the type of person that's going to scoff and usually say something like, I know my horse, I know what I'm doing. Well, you obviously didn't. And at that point, you kind of just walk away. Because for one, they've never dealt with a problem hours down a trail. Therefore, they have nothing to compare what you've told them to. Also, they've probably never even dealt with a, a foot problem as a whole. Usually those are younger people. Or those are people who either don't ride enough or aren't experienced enough. And instead of taking that information in and processing it and saying, well, here, show me, they don't want that. Because in their mind, they're the expert. And I know I keep using the, the younger generation as an example. And the reason I do, and it's no offense to you guys, is that... My generation came up where there was a lot of face-to-face -face interaction. We didn't hide behind the keyboard. We could not hide behind the keyboard. So we didn't say a lot of things that way. And if we did, we knew there would be repercussions. Just like I said earlier, someone would probably hit you in the face or cut your trailer tires or something along those lines. Your generation has come up in a time that you can hide behind a monitor or hide behind your phone with no real repercussion. And that's a problem. And then I'm saying it's all because there's just as many people who are older who have the exact same problem. I watched a Facebook post one time. It was a whole thread. Some poor girl asking for advice um, on her horse. It was down. Vet was on the way, but vet was going to take a while. They they, they lived kind of out in the country. And the amount of slightly over middle-aged women ever being completely nasty to her about what the circumstances were to lead up to that, instead of offering actual advice, was astonishing. And I think the reason they didn't offer too much advice is because they've probably never dealt with that scenario. They know all the things to maybe prevent it, but they've never had that one occurrence to where a horse has gone down with something like colic. They've never, you know, pushed and pulled and tugged in vain to get their best friend up and moving. And watching, you know, their friends or brothers or sisters who are there watching their demeanor change as panic sets in on you. They've probably never experienced that. Therefore, they have no conscience when it comes to someone emotionally melting down watching their best friend die. They're too busy telling the other person that they're an idiot for letting their horse eat this or do this or act a certain way than to help that person get out of the situation that they're in. And I hate to say it, but the folks that experience those things at a younger age 
usually developed to be better equestrians sooner than those who did not. I'm a firm believer that a, a young man or young woman in their teens that has lost a horse or had a severe injury to the horse or to themselves or lost confidence at a young age in their abilities and then pushed past that will ultimately become a much better equestrian in their 20s. They'll also be a much better member of the equestrian community. Because in the end, it doesn't matter how many buckles you have, how many ribbons you've won. If you're an Olympian quality athlete, whatever. None of that matters until you have a full understanding of what it is to be an equestrian. Just because you participate in equestrian sport and you're gifted or you've been trained enough that you're good, that doesn't mean that you are a good serviceable member of that community or even a good steward for your sport or for horses as a whole. You could be a world-class eventer or a national champion reigner but if you don't have the ability to correct problems with your horse or with yourself when you find out about them then you're not as good of an equestrian as you think you are and it doesn't matter what sport you're in either if you are world-class whatever in whatever sport, and as soon as you dismount, you hand that ho horse off to a handler. You're just a jockey. And there's a big difference between just being a jockey and being an equestrian. And the loudest voices with negativity comes from those that are more or less on the jockey side than the equestrian side. Because if you're willing to throw out negativity to someone over something you've seen them do without giving some sort of polite corrective action and trying to help them and better them as equestrians, you are the problem. Either you don't know enough to correct the problem, or you're not willing to help the problem. So then that just breeds more problems. The, the funniest thing that I always see, and it comes up on the TikTok app and Facebook and the groups quite a bit in the Western world, and it's tying a Texas tee, tying a knot in your cinch, on your saddle, or using the eyelets on your cinch. And the amount of people who will call someone stupid and all kind of other derogatory terms for the way they secure their saddle is nuts. And these same folks are quick to call someone not a cowboy or not a real horse person or whatever because they don't do it their way. And they're quick to wear a guy like Dale Brisby's, you know, hats and shirts and say he's an icon and this, that, and the other. 
And Dale literally makes fun of them for a living. The you ain't no cowboy thing is literally poking fun at those type of people that constantly want to say, well, if you don't do it the way I do, then you're not a cowboy. Yet they're, they'll flock to that, and then they'll jump into the forums, or they'll jump on the comment section of something, and do those exact things. And don't realize that the community as a whole can't stand those type of people. Because they are what brings the toxicity. Another way to see a really good fight in the equestrian world is talk about lines. Talk about breeding. And how, you know, one line is popular right now. And then you're going to have, you know, and everybody likes that horse. But then you're going to have somebody who is going to be on the other end of the spectrum and say, Well, I use this line of horse because of X, Y, and Z. And... The market is flooded with them horses right now, and, you know, they're not going to live up to their expectation, this, that, and the other. I saw that a lot with the Metallic Cat video that I put out on TikTok. And yes, Metallic Cat horses are kind of flooding the market right now. But when those horses are earning, you know, $7 million a year... Yeah, I I would say that's a good line of horse to invest in if you can afford it. You know, popularity is one reason why that stud fee is so high. They're good is another reason why that stud fee is so high. There's incentives for like $500,000 there. And though you might think you're cool because you breed to an obscure line that's up and coming, might be, you know, your place's creation, and that's fine. That is perfectly fine. Don't belittle the people who have invested in metallic cat horses because you want to run this other line. And the best way to do that is just not comment. You have nothing to bring to the table. Other than toxicity. Your whole point of your comment was to be toxic and belittling. I, uh, I came up in the NBHA. And the NBHA is fortunate that we get a lot of those lines that are not just barrel horses. But a lot of ranch lines, cutting lines, reining lines. All these agile athletic horses, they get thrown in. Um, some end up thrown in with some thoroughbred to make appendixes, others stay as quarter horses. And so we see a, we see a lot of different lines. And that's one thing I can really say about my community as a whole, is that since we benefit from all these different lines, it's a constant experiment. And we are here for it. We actually enjoy seeing... You know, a metallic cap chase cans, you know, or, you know, a, a whatever that has nothing to do with barrel racing. Typically, that line chase cans and, and do, do well. It'll be a group of people after a really good run on a horse that, you know, especially if you hear it in the name and you can kind of tell that that horse is breeding. When they come out the alley and that horse cools down, 
that girl or guy may answer 20 questions on the way back to the trailer. You know, hey, how's that horse bred? What did, what, who's that one out of? Who's that one by? Because people are excited for it. Are there people in my sport that talk trash? Yes. A lot of them. But I don't see it like I do with the, the Cutters and the Rainers. And I don't understand, you know, why you guys are that way. And back to the barrel thing, for instance, that brings up a lot of toxicity from really everyone, from other Western performance horse people to those that ply their trade in more English-derived sport. It seems the barrel racer is always the butt of everyone's joke. As soon as somebody defends something that they're doing, usually the next thing out of someone else's mouth is, well, you're just a can chaser. I would like to see those folks try. And I don't mean go out there and, and just run a pattern with your eventing horse or your cow horse. I mean get on a 1D barrel horse, fight that horse in the alley, and go and rip off a 13 or 14 second run. You can't. I mean, I don't know, one or two of you might be able to, if you've got some experience. But 99.999% nines to the infinity are not going to be able to do that. And you always like to say, well, your sport is easy, I can do it. Or, yeah, well, we used to go to the barrel races and we'd take that money and use them to enter other events. You know, we'd do it in our, our riding britches and, and, you know, we would, we'd go event in the afternoon and we'd barrel race in the morning. You're not barrel racing at a high level if you're doing that. And the reason I say that is good luck getting a draw at an event that's going to work with your schedule. I've gotten draws that I read the I read the sheet at 9 a.m. and I didn't run until midnight. Gymkhana barrels and actual barrels are two totally different animals. But it's a point of toxicity in the community to say that, well, what you do is not hard. I can do it with my dressage horse. Not at a high level, no you can't. I can take my little half Morgan, and she is not a barrel horse, but she's done a lot of Gymkhana stuff with me and my kids, and I can take her on a normal outdoor arena pattern, and she'll probably run, if I really push her, a 17 or an 18. My Quorab who has been lovingly massaged into a barrel horse, will run that same pattern as a 13 or a 14 and run in the standard NBHA pattern in a 15 or a 16. For one, she is faster. She is a lot faster than the little plunky Morgan. The other part of that is she's clean. She's clean. 
She is super, super clean. Therefore, she doesn't have to run as fast. But those are the equations that you present to people that do not know. And it boggles their mind, and then they spit out garbage as a reply. Because they don't know how to just say okay and walk away. They don't understand terms like shouldering into a barrel or the alignment or approach. The only thing that they know is it's a clover leaf and it's three barrels. How hard can it be? And I'm just using barrel racing as an example. This is all across the board with anyone. I've seen people say that anyone can be a cutter because all you're doing is sitting on the horse and hanging on. And that couldn't be farther from the truth in a lot of cases. So we'll bring it to a close like this. If you don't bring in the words that come out of your mouth or the words that you type with your hands through the internet, something that you can use to better the community as a whole and teach and show why you are so adamant something should be done a certain way other than, well, because I say so and then ramble off a resume that nobody cares about. If you can't do those things, don't comment. Just don't comment. Because to real people, you're making yourself look like a jackass. And real people won't have a lot to do with you. There will be occasions where people have to tolerate you. But if you live your life that way, nobody respectable is going to want much to do with you in the end.